what we've achieved now in six years, I never thought we would have achieved in 2030. And I was just saying to myself, I've left a job that was like my dream job to do this. This is what am I doing? And I remember my dad helping me in the background, you know, a 60 year old guy just pushing a coffee van with me. And I was like, what have I done? Oh my God, I have to pay people today. I need to pay someone today. Like, what do I do? And I was going, literally going to the cash machine and taking out money yeah. from my personal account and just going and paying people salary, oh like their salary. Like that's, I'm just like, <laughs> we haven't made enough money to pay your salary. Welcome back at Beyond the Blend episode six, a weekly podcast from Alberts with real talk on tech startups. Our mission is to balance the endless success stories on LinkedIn with some real talk here on YouTube. And we're truly happy to open our doors for you here and invite inspiring guests to treat topics that are important for tech startups. As always, please do us a favor, click down here on the subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a subscribe. Leave a comment, leave a like. It would be very friendly. It helps the algorithms boost us. It is now Tuesday before this goes live. It is again, like last week, well beyond midnight. And we're up here in our Brussels office. As always, I'm jumping in with an intro here. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have an absolute legend. His name is Chamal Ezel. I'm not going to lie, Jamal is really one of the most impressing and inspiring people I have ever met. Holy cow, this was such an inspiring conversation. It was recorded Saturday. I was actually at my mom's place. A very weird experience to record out there, to be very honest. Um, Jamal is a rock star. He is changing social entrepreneurship and at the same time leading the world's fastest growing coffee brand. It's mind-boggling he is uh operating in the uk as the main base that's how we know each other because our partnership with sv365 change please albers um i'm so happy he was on this podcast uh, i had goosebumps almost all along the way uh, it was a beautiful saturday morning we were talking so freely so fast doing so many topics the internet speed down at the village of my parents was not that good i hope for you all it's not too discomforting uh, but it was a fantastic conversation and i'm really sure you're gonna like it as every week five minutes updates on alberts here we go let's do it new locations always a nice update uh, we are launching a machine tomorrow at bobbejaanland Bobbejaanland is a Flemish word. It is a theme park in Belgium. Uh, Bobbejaanland is part of Parques Reunidos. Uh, Parques Reunidos has 50 theme parks all around the globe. And we're super proud to launch the first smoothie robot ever at a theme park at Parques Reunidos Bobbejaanland here in Belgium. Our team has been very, working very hard on this, but also a big shout out to Blanca and Francisco from Parques Reunidos to make this all happen. Uh, we actually met in Italy at the trade fair, uh, so I'm very happy this all came true and that we're running uh, the machine now uh, this week at Bobby Island. Thank you very much. And Steven, congratulations on this nice achievement. For a reminder, Steven is our international sales. He's right up there. For the second update, I want to talk shortly about students. We've all been students, right? Uh, exploring the world, trying to discover what you like, what you're good at, uh, but it's not always as easy to get started. And at the same time, companies are very often fighting a war for talent, meaning that they really do their best to hire good talent on the market. 
So actually, it's a match made in heaven. Uh, so that's why every summer uh, we invest in a handful of students that we join into the company. Um, usually we do that on a paid role, so it's a student role. Uh, and we see how the spirit goes on over the weeks and over the months of working together. Um, this resulted this year in uh, Aaron, who continued doing his master thesis at Alberts, and Leandro, who continu continued as a student worker over the full year so last summer and then all the way till now and now i'm super proud to say that both aaron and leandro uh, have agreed to join alberts um it's maybe a bit too cheesy but it touches my heart um with the whole team we work uh, very hard on getting this mission of healthy food the easiest way forward and if then two people who know the company from inside out and have been with us for a whole year say yes i want to start my career here i really absolutely love it uh they're very talented both aaron will be starting as the production uh, engineer. He will be working with our partner Dekimo. I explained last week a lot about this. Here is the picture of Aaron. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, Leandro, he will be joining us. He will be joining us as an automation engineer. So he will mostly be working on the design of things, programming the robot. Um, he has been doing that for the last year for us and also for other projects. So welcome both of you. Thank you very much. Here's Leandro still, his picture. And let's get rocking in the next years. All right, cool. Uh, at the same time, my head is exploding. We are doing so many things over this summer. Uh, we are closing some very important milestones for the company. Very soon, I will have a lot of news about it. I cannot say too much about it now, but it will be, we have a brand deal. We have financial news. Uh, the international steps are accelerating as well. Production is going step by step wider. A lot, a lot, a lot of things happening. Uh, I cannot wait for September to kick in and to get all of this out there in the world. So stay tuned. Lastly, very importantly, the t-shirt. Uh, we give away a t-shirt every week. It's the podcast exclusive t-shirt for the first 10 podcasts. And this week it is... We don't have audio tunes yet. <laughs> it's Matthias Harens. Matthias, we know each other from a long time ago. Thank you very much for commenting on LinkedIn with your great tip. I'm checking here quickly. You were very interested in how about experiences on building a long-term company strategy and deciding on the right product initiatives is of focus and how important that is. So I will do something with that in the next podcast. Thank you very much for the hint. And so far, enjoy your t-shirt to everybody. You can order Albert's merch at, here's the website, alberts.be slash merch yes indeed our own merch line go order that merch line give it to everybody you know hand it out as the most beautiful present ever we have a very limited set of designs now but we will be launching exclusive designs in the upcoming weeks and months so go get it while it's there good enough about alberts it's time for chamal i really really enjoyed this i hope you did as well chamal is the ceo of change please Welcome at the podcast. Welcome everybody here. Let's go for another great episode. See you next week. Ciao, ciao. Good. Welcome back everybody at Beyond the Blend. Today we have a legend on a podcast. He is supposedly being requested every week 20 times to do on a podcast. <laughs> he is today with us. Uh, we are super happy. Jamal Ezel, uh, founder and CEO of Change Please. Um, Jamal. I will give you a short introduction, all right? <laughs> At the risk you of flattering you, and I have to... Uh, <laughs> I will go one step further, one step further. Okay. I, do, I do admit that I will cheat a little bit. 
when checking your resume, I believe it's fair to say that you were in sales uh, your whole life. Um, you have been founding, co-founding uh, a bunch of restaurants as well. Very eager to learn on that as well. And then, of course, change, please. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, uh, I've uh, had the evening off, um, just relaxing and not working. And yeah, I just feel like it's a wonderful time in life at the moment. It's, everything's good. Oh my God, that sounds super fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I will start with the most basic of questions, <laughs> but I think uh, it's a super relevant one. Uh, so um, uh, when I say that uh, from the first minute I have met you, I was really overwhelmed. I am not kidding, okay? Um, but what you do is even more impressive, if I can say so as well. <laughs> so Thank the first you. question is very simple, Jamal. You are the co-founder, or you are the founder of Change Please. My question would be, what is Change Please and how is it changing the world? So Change Please is a not-for-profit social business and we tackle homelessness through coffee. So we essentially tackle one of the world's uh, worst problems through jobs and, ha and employment, uh, whereas most major governments try to tackle the problem of, of homelessness through housing, and it doesn't work. Whether you're in London, Los Angeles, New York, um, Sydney, uh, Tokyo, this problem of homelessness isn't um, just solvable, just trying to build housing. We need to tackle it in a different way, and we tackle the problem through empowering people to lift themselves out of homelessness into jobs and into employment. And it really, really works. We have an 82% success rate. It's changing people's lives. It's creating a wow. sense of community, a sense, a sense of well-being, a sense of um, social connectedness. And one of the biggest challenges around homelessness is you can put somebody in a house, but all you're doing is putting a sticking plaster over the problem. You're not creating a social connection, a bond, a family, a group of um, um, a group feeling, a group mentality, and that's the most important part because we're all social beings. We want to be connected to people, and as soon as you just try to put somebody yes. in in a home, you change the box of that person from homeless to not homeless. But then that person's still lonely, and they don't have those that level of well-being. But a job gives somebody purpose and self-belief, and it really it really works. And we we started that way six years ago, and we've. We've developed into a whole range of different areas. It's now grown into, uh, in, we're in eight countries around the world and it, and it works in every single country that we're in, which is really, really great. I think that that's wow. the kind of basic answer of what, what we do. The, the real answer of what we do is forgetting, forgetting um, homelessness and coffee. Um, what we're doing is changing the way people perceive business. Um, and perceived capitalism. That's what I want to, to kind of have it as a legacy where you can do business in a different way. It doesn't have to be this kind of incessant charge on, on greed and making money and self-gain, but it can be a, a representation of, right, we can generate surplus or profit, um, but we can also change people's lives and create a connectedness and a community and a family at the same time. And, you know, without being big-headed, there's no doubt about it. We're probably the fastest growing coffee company in the world in the in the world at the moment. So, so you know, we, we're growing a business, but oh we are um, doing it the right way. Oh my God! You can do a mic drop, and we can just close this podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal, there is so much to there is so much to unravel here at the same time. Um, Yes, so that's what I mean that when the first time I've met you, I was already overwhelmed. So this is exactly what I mean. So, so I think it is amazing. Firstly, when you say 
<laughs> Firstly, when you say to leave a legacy is so crucial, I think yeah. this is exactly what you're doing. When you say we are the fastest growing coffee company, uh, coffee company in the world, oh my God, what a sentence that is. Uh, you have been telling me in the last uh, period that we have met, so I think we know each other now for a bit over half a year, I would estimate, um, or a year maybe. Um, yeah, nine months yeah, you have, to a year. You're giving me a lot of insights. We did a lot of fairs together. Yeah, indeed, I would say something like that. Um, so maybe maybe we just tap into a little bit how we have met <laughs> so that people can have somehow of an idea uh, what we are doing together. Um, I think crucial in there is the name Change Please 365. <laughs> uh, we're like unraveling a, yeah. a chemical formula here, you know. Change Please 365, where 365 <laughs> comes yeah. from SV365. <laughs> which is then our partner. <laughs> so let's say <clears throat> we are three in that game. Uh, basically, in the UK, our partner yeah. uh, and uh, yourselves. Um, exactly, yeah. yeah. Maybe you could give uh, a little bit of info what what that merger is. Yeah, so, um, so there's an amazing company in robotic vending called SV365 in the UK. Um, and, you know, they scour the world for the best um automated robotics um within food and food and beverage and they've created a um and i would say the jewel in the crown is the wonderful albert's um um smoothie machine and, and soup machine i think i, I personally <laughs> think it's it's revolutionary and it's gonna um it's it's just gonna yeah change the way that we we, we consume food and beverages it, especially during um post-coronavirus if we are post-coronavirus and and so they have a range of similar products as the Albert's unit which isn't as good but they've they essentially created a pod system where you as an organization can purchase that one pod or a whole range of different items and then it's all managed and um, coordinated from one central um, one central area which is really fantastic so if you think about hospitals and and universities where they need 24 7 access to food and beverages you know these are the perfect solutions and i think um yeah as i said albert's is really the jewel in the crown and i think it's gonna it's, it's this gonna be a revolutionary product i think but you know anywhere that you launch it's so exciting <laughs> yeah. yes i remember the first time we've met it was in the boardroom actually when you did the merger so when you did the change please 365 uh, merger and I remember I was thinking, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> it was still in, the, st still in the last parts of COVID. We were in a WeWork somewhere in an office. And I was like, is this really happening? Are we now really going to launch this? Firstly, for us, it's the first time we go abroad. Uh, as you know, our technology is uh, rather uh, new, uh, meaning that we're setting up production, we're setting up all the essentials to get it going. And then I'm there in a meeting with you, with the others, saying, this will be a merger, let's conquer <laughs> let's conquer all of UK together. I'm like, <laughs> what's happening? You know? um, <laughs> however, where we are now is also interesting. So we did two uh, trade shows together yeah. already, where we were representing together all the three of us uh, and more. Um, that was one for Tuco, so one for universities, one for uh, hospital uh, or uh, yeah, yeah that's I right. think the care sector more. Um, so far, the feedback has been amazing, uh, and I'm super happy that we do this together uh, because I think strengthening together is really the way forward. Absolutely. Um, so. I think you're one of the most natural salespersons I've ever seen, and I don't say that uh, to make a shit show. I really mean it. Uh, I would just, I would just like to ask you if you could help uh, the audience, uh, like how 
how does that go about? Uh, so I know that your career was professionally in sales before uh, you were starting Change, please. And I'm just wondering how that translates into this passion project of yours, the legacy project, Change, please. How you take the learnings from the past uh, and how you feel that in that new way of doing business, as you clearly said, you know, the more social way, how does that resonate? Does something change? Does something get more accentuated or something is left behind? Uh, I'm just curious if you could learn us uh, something. Yeah, so, so for me, um, sales starts with passion and belief. Um, I remember my first, so, well, I, I left university, I, I set up a company, I sold that company and I realized actually the part that made that original company good was 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 my sales ability right from the beginning so i then went into a sales job and then um um i didn't really believe in the product we were selling data we were selling research about you know uh, intelligence on companies on products on innovations we were in pharmaceuticals we were in food and beverages uh, and this was nearly i don't know 15 13 14 15 years ago and i remember sitting there after a couple of months uh, without any sales and i listened to uh, into a call that my colleague had with uh, one of the top two um, Coca-Cola brands in the world. I can't say which one. Um, and the client was was just saying how useful the product, the, the service was and the intelli intelligence was to their decision making. And <clears throat> almost giving a, a testimonial over the phone to my colleague and I was listening in. And I'd not made a single sale. I'd not felt passionate about the product. And as soon as I got off that call, that same day, I think that was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's unheard of for this to happen. That same day, I made a cold call sale. I called up a company, uh, a French company, a dairy business, and I, and I sold them research, like just literally while the guy was on the phone, because I felt so passionate about what, what, the, what that Coca-Cola or that Coke brand was, was speaking about, you know, and how it benefited them. And, and that infused me and gave me the passion and the energy to then pass that on to... Uh, the person that I was speaking to in this dairy company in France. And that for me was the kind of understanding really of what sales is. It's not about making somebody buy something. It's really about you feeling the passion and the belief in your product mm -hmm. and you just sharing that passion and what it, how it works. If it works for that customer, if they share that vision, great. If they don't, they don't. But you cannot start the process unless you genuinely believe it. And you know what? If there's if there's problems with your product, you tell them. You know, you, you you're open, you're honest, um, and that that goes a long way. And at the end of the day, it's the reality that um, you you might have in one organisation five thousand people, two thousand people, one hundred people, twenty people, but you might catch one person in the morning who's had their coffee, their coffee buzz thirty minutes after their coffee, and you hit them exactly the right time, and then it just flows. You might call them the next day where it's 30 minutes before their coffee and then they don't have any, that yeah. um, uh, they're grumpy and they're angry and it doesn't flow. And it's, it doesn't, it's not a reflection of you as a salesperson or as an individual. Um, it's just a reflection of timing and, uh, and opportunity. And it means you just keep going. You, does, you don't let your passion drop. And that's the key part for me in sales. It's, it's you, if you yes. fake it, then you should be in a different business. If you believe what you're doing, if you find a product that you believe in, uh, then you'll sell loads. Um, but you have to genuinely believe it. And that, that really is a starting point for me. And going into your kind of second question, I think um, you can't be more passionate about something that you set up yourself um, and you found, um, <laughs> unless, unless, you know, there's, there's a big problem. And so for me, seeing the um, <laughs> impact which 
we do on a daily basis, you know, having 30 people here downstairs from where I am at the moment in our in our training academy and seeing somebody come off the streets, they've been lying underneath, um, you know, gutters in, 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 uh, in the kind of, we had one person here a couple of weeks ago who he used to sleep um, in the extraction of a restaurant um, underneath a bridge just to keep warm underneath in the evenings. And, you know, to, to see his story then come here and, and oh, um, be trained and understand that he has an opportunity in life to kind of make a bit of a difference and, and to kind of lift himself out of the problem, that just refuels your emotional or your passion tank a little bit more every single time. And it keeps you going, you know, and, oh um, and you know, that, and, and that feeds into the first part about what you said about legacy, you know, um, we, okay, this, this might get a bit deep, Glenn, so mm -hmm. I apologize, but, you know, I really believe that we've, okay, I'm going to go, Please go. Um, hold, hold your, hold your seat. You know, we, we all, we've been born into this, um, paradigm in time. Um, uh, sorry, my partner's just calling me. We've been born into this paradigm of life. You know, we might've been born 500 years ago, a thousand years ago in the Roman era, in the Aztecs, we might be living, we might've been born in this tribe in, 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 uh, the Amazon. And we've been born in this European culture where we're taught that the, the, the measure of success is your assets, your, 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 your worth, your financial growth. That's the key part of your, mm. our value system. And fundamentally, if we were born in a different era, our value system would be different. Our measure of, of success would be different. Um, and um, that for me is just such a powerful feeling because for the first 29 years of my life, I started in sales and I went into, uh, I became a commodity broker selling uh, metals and, and precious minerals, etc. And I, um, mm -hmm. and I was doing that because fundamentally my parents were refugees and they were, and they moved to the UK um, um, uh, from the, from the Cypriot war. And also in, in the kind of eighties, it was all about success and money and driving Porsches and fast cars and having houses and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was, that was what defined me, you know, for the first, between the age of 20 and 29 and the first part of my working life, that's what defines yes, me. Yes. And it's all bullshit. Excuse my, uh, my, my Turkish. And um, it, 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 it's <laughs> just what we've been, it's just what we've been brought in to believe. And thinking about really at the age of 90, looking back in your life, you know, sitting in your rocking chair, thinking about, looking back in your life, thinking about whether your life has been a success. Yes. Um, have you left the world in a better place? Who's going to remember you? What's your legacy? How are your children going to remember you? All of the answers of those questions are going to be based around what your preconception of success is. And I think we need to sit back as a society, a community, yes. as a human race, and revalue what our, what our value of success actually is. Um, is it making the person next to you better? Or is it making the person next to you worse? Because then if they're worse, that means relatively you're better. Is it by um, creating a better world for our children yes. to live in? Um, you know, is it, wake, is it with the unwavering belief that if we wake up, we, we want to wake up the following morning with a smile on our face, happy, enjoying our life and not dreading it, you know, not being upset, not being trapped by money, trapped by bills, trapped by paying mortgages, you know? It's just the structure and the system that we've we've been born into in this in this um, 
this paradigm of time that has told us to act in this way. And realistically, um, uh, this, yes. this thing of life, this beautiful thing of life, these, um, you know, I'm not saying I'm beautiful at all, but you know, the, the ability to have your, your skin and your cells and your, <laughs> um, you know, this, this perfect organism that we've been given an opportunity to control and to, to live in, it's, it's, in my opinion, a lot of us are wasting it, trying to conform to the so-called social constructs of, of, of society. And so for me, it's trying to, for all of us yes. to think about how can we change even one millimeter, 5%, 10%, um, what we do in life to, to be a little bit better. And maybe in change, please, we've taken it too far. You know, we are 100% of a profit. We, we are, um, you know, it's all about changing people's lives, other people's lives and setting a representation for business. But maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe even that's co corporate capitalism, maybe 25% closer this way. It doesn't matter. Just taking one small step to, to trying to break this social construct yes. and thinking differently. That for me is the legacy. That for me is the passion that feeds into sales. That for me is the reason why, you know, I, I, I want to change the mentality of my son so that he isn't trapped in this social construct in society and how he's been brought mm -hmm. up and making think about the world in a different way. Um, so that they're all my passion areas. They're the things that keep me motivated and keep me going. Um, you could write a textbook on sales, but if you don't have, if you're not overflowing with passion, then, um, it, then it's not going to start mm -hmm. anywhere really. My God, really, I literally have goosebumps now and I'm not even kidding. I think you're so right that <clears throat> from the second that you, like, firstly, from the second that you really love something or from the second that there is this passion, like, you're just all over it. And then also what you said in the beginning, you can just have a bad timing also somewhere. You know, often they say life is a numbers game, so yeah, you just try, it fails, try 10 times. It will, it will work once out of that. It doesn't mean, like, it's, like you said, it's not a reflection on yourself or your capabilities. Of course, if you try it a zillion times, it's something different. But what you guys are doing, and like you say, you take it maybe too much, uh, too far, I don't really think so, but I heard somebody say at the fair, came to one of your colleagues and said, oh, you're one of the angels. <laughs> I looked at her like, what the fuck do you say? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> What's that kind of an intro? <laughs> yeah really she said <laughs> i was like okay what are you then you know <laughs> um but anyways i think what you say <laughs> but what you say is so true and what i feel at albert's is that many people um come uh, come to our company because they genuinely or the people who work in our country because they genuinely think hey let's try to make something that's healthy this is also possible very often myself, I'm also thinking about life. Like you say, we are in this vast majority of space and then we are given this fortunate, healthy body to be able to, um, to be functional. We are given this brain to be able to reason and have consciousness. And then how can we spend our every day not doing something where we literally think this is better or this is, this is in the good direction? Now, of course, not everybody has that flexibility to very easily jump into that role because, of course, we also have to be conscious that some people are not in the position of having been founding a company or whatever. But at the same time, if companies like yours or uh, organizations as yours jump up and can push forward and can move also big corporates because you work with a lot of big corporates as well, can change the mindset there as well, I think that impact is almost... Uh, like we cannot oversee that impact even or almost not measure um like you say now downstairs at your place there are like 30 people working uh, in order to change people's life but now you're in eight countries 
So that scale, <laughs> that magnitude of how things can go, really, like, I'm just already so thankful that we can be a little bit in that slipstream to, frankly, mostly learn. Because we're literally in that niche of health, you know, try to give healthy food to people. And I'm also convinced that can really change a lot on people's thinking on how people feel. Um, but you're there in such a small part um, of society, which is really struggling and really doing a fundamental life-changing uh, life experience for them or life-changing um uh, yeah, total total move of there every day, basically on the street. So, I think that is extremely wonderful. But I just wonder for you yourself. So I understand you get a lot of passion out of that, and I understand that that really drives you. But does it also put pressure on you? Because I can imagine that it's still a harsh world outside there, right? It's still a sharky world. You still have to make deals with big corporates. You probably have to balance your ethical line twenty-five times in a in a day. And then there's your team. Then there's people. Then there's press. Do you feel there's extra pressure on you because you took this very specific positioning in the business uh, world, or do you actually feel it's negligible and even motivates uh, you more? There's absolutely uh, pressure. I mean, there's no shadow sh shadow of a doubt, and I think. If you're going to, mm -hmm. if you're going to anything that's going to change the status quo, anything that's going to take a big jump forward compared to what people are used to, there's going to be pressure. Otherwise, it will just you're not going to have any impact. Um, and I really believe actually that mm -hmm. that creating controlled pressure environments um, creates a better team. It has more output. It has, um, you have faster growth um, and you create a tolerance in your team of being able to achieve. And that creates a snowball of, um, of high achievers within your organization, you know. So creating, so what we try to do is, is create very small, very small um, controlled pressure moments where we are, we are really not doing it reactionary, but we're doing it because um it, it, it creates a tolerance in our in our colleagues and when we have big moments of pressure which we have quite a lot then our team are ready to kind of really take that step forward which is really exciting you know whether that's opening mm -hmm. a new country it's launching things like yeah. the buses cruise ships we've looked at airlines you know some really exciting steps forward and if you don't have people that are ready for oh that mentality then then they will pull back and and that that's that's what's really important to kind of feel that pressure is okay and it's good um yeah and actually we also do things like we invite criticism mm -hmm. as well like we ask people you know as you mentioned before we've got a few restaurants um mm -hmm. and you know you've probably sat in a restaurant complaining about food or your or the service to one of your people you're eating with and then as soon as the waiter and waitress comes over and says you know um, how was everything? You say, oh, it's fantastic. It was good. Yeah, yeah. So we say to people, yeah. what would you change? What one thing would you? Yeah, exactly. That was good. We say we, we we ask our customers or our colleagues or anyone. We say, what one thing would you change about this? You know, we are, we want criticism, and that creates pressure. It creates um, uh, some stress, and but it, it means that we're open to it. It's in a controlled. It's, it's in a controlled way. But as a CEO, I think. Um, my yeah. biggest issue is personally is, is, um, is really thinking that everything is solvable. Every problem, every challenge is fixable. It's, it, it's, it's a great mm -hmm. thing as well. And it's, but it's also a negative thing. It means that my, 
tolerance for speed is is just not there. I just keep pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. And then you end up creating these gaps where you just have to fill really quickly. And that's the uncontrolled version of what I was saying. And yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that creates unnecessary pressure um, on myself, but also on the team. So that's why we try as much mm -hmm. as possible to go towards the controlled version of it. Um, and I've also learned, like all founders, you know, not to try to do everything yourself, you know. Um, I realized that you go from being a no. entrepreneur, or in my case, a social entrepreneur, to then being a CEO almost immediately. But no one's giving you the support to become that CEO. You know, you, you've not gone from being a, you know, a, you know, a, uh, someone cleaning the floor to then someone answering the phones to then someone managing marketing to a manager to a executive to then a CEO. You just jumped. So, so to try, you're in, you're then in that position where you have to try and say to, or I had, I had to say to myself, do I, do I stop and learn all of the elements of being a CEO, um, or do I understand the parts that I'm good at and double down on those parts, and then just bring other people to fill in those gaps? And with the kind of saying, you know, a leopard can't change their spots, mm -hmm. you know, that's I focused on the second part. I said, right, I'm good at I'm good at these yeah. areas. I'm bad at these areas, and I br I've brought in a team. Like we're always told to do from a startup, you know, bring in great people. But um, in the early days, I was trying to do everything myself, and um, and that creates a huge amount of pressure mm -hmm. as well. So so I think the the point around pressure is, for me, it's always going to be there. It's natural. If it's not there, then are you really pushing the boundaries? Are you really going to be doing something that's innovative? Yeah. You know, and yes, exactly. not going into too much into Alberts, but you know, you see people. What I'm shocked about every time we, we're at a show with you, and we see people looking at your 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 robotics, and they see how it works and how clever and, and how how you've been able to execute it so well that it's um, it feels so simple. You've taken that person on a journey, maybe five years ahead of what they imagined, yeah. and to get to that point, whether you're doing that in, in your space or, you're, mm -hmm. or we're doing that in coffee and homelessness, you have to go through intense pressure moments. Um, but, it's, but, but for me, it's about really understanding the parts mm -hmm. that you're good at, the parts that you're bad at, and then being able to create as much measured pressure as possible. Um, and then that, um, uh, that makes it sustainable. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just burn out, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> definitely, definitely. It's also, for example, uh, at Alberts. So my background is definitely on the technical side uh, at the basis. I did then a master in management after that as well. Um, but so, f uh, I mean, today we have a CTO that came into the company because in the beginning, trying to do everything at the same time, the tech stuff and then the business stuff and then the investor stuff and everything at the same time, just a big mess. Um, so we really try to start balancing that. Uh, also a full CEO now, so he's doing the day to day. Uh, Stefan, uh, COO, and then Hans, CTO. So we form, let's say, together, the three of us, the management. But it's such a blessing because I can really literally let go a little bit, although it's hard <laughs> from time to time. But uh, then you just start seeing that it's way more effective, way more functional for everybody. Uh, and we just go way faster. So then it's a no-brainer. But to do that transition is really like <laughs> itching, <laughs> itching in every inch of your body. Um, no, okay. I, I just want to get some insights because you already shared with us how basically your career changed. I just want to ask, I think a change place now is existing for seven years or something like that. Was it always a rocket ship going 
for six years, yeah, was it always a rocket ship going to buses, cruise ships, airlines, eight countries? Or was that super hard in the beginning or particularly at the growth phase? Like, where do you feel your biggest pain points uh, of the company were or your biggest struggles or where did you have to work the hardest with the whole team to get through it? This idea, um, and you know, I left my job, which was, you know, my dream job financially, you know, and you, um, you think that from the first day that you open, it's going to, you're going to have a queue of, you know, 200 people around the corner and, and uh, helicopters above you with like, you know, you know, people trying to, uh, you know, trying to be part of, of what you're trying to do. And, and actually, you're just another startup. You're just another organization. It's just, um, and that reality check is difficult. Um, I thought by the messaging, talking about homelessness and and the mm -hmm. doing something differently. I think I thought that it was going to, you know, um, be a different starting point to how, how we imagined. And it was incredibly difficult. I remember on the first you know week that we opened, I was going, we weren't doing anywhere near the sales that we wanted. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to pay people today. I need to pay someone today. Like, what do I do? And I was going literally going to the cash machine and taking out money yeah. from my personal account. And just going and paying people salary, oh like your salary, like that's. I'm just like, <laughs> we haven't made enough money to pay your salary. Like I'm just going and pressing my pin number and taking out money from the ATM, and um, and it was and it it was like that for a while. I mean, <clears throat> I remember, um, you know, putting all my money savings previously into the first sites that we had, and then I was going and tapping into my credit card, which was twenty nine point nine percent APR. Uh, interest and just and paying people's monthly salaries in our executive team like oh it, it just it was it, it was difficult it's, it was difficult like really really was and um it goes back to that passion point you remember i remember four o'clock in the morning we were pushing little coffee vans into the into the back of a van and i was just saying to myself i've left a job that was like my dream job to do this this is what am I doing and I remember my dad helping me in the background you know a 60 year old guy just pushing a coffee van with me and I was like what have I done so you know it goes back to that point around for me you before you start before you start on that journey of, of being an entrepreneur or founding a business or even starting in an organization and I say this to our team now I don't want anyone to join unless they really convince convinced that they what what they want to achieve and they need they need to have those roots you need to have your roots like a tree in the ground so stable that when those winds are blowing you over when you're in a tornado and a hurricane and you you're, you're rock solid you're you, you might lose leaves you might lose branches you might lose but your your trunk and your roots are strong mm. and if you start on your journey without that then it's so easy. There's going to be hundreds of times where you just you lose everything. So, so the, 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 it starts from that yeah. right at the beginning to understand your reason for doing it. And I think in this in this day and age, um, so many people start businesses because uh, it looks good on Instagram or it looks a uh, call cool to do or it gives you security or a lot of the superficial things um, and without the fundamentals. And also another problem in the social space, um, the social enterprise space, especially, um, not environmental impact, but the, specifically the social part, is people start up social businesses because they themselves or someone they know has been affected by a problem, whether it's homelessness, whether it's a disability, 
whether it's something like autism, and they're doing it because of the because of the kind of impact area and without the right fundamentals on the business. And what happens in that instance is you're um, you're not ready for those moments that are going to come, which are going to which are going to really test you. So, so yeah, we so Glenn, I think you you, you must be the same. We all we all have those moments where. We're being tested, and I think you need to understand what your motivation is, what your real purpose is, and it can't be yeah. superficial. It has to be deeper than that. Um, it has to be wider, and it has to be for a bigger purpose, and that's the part that keeps you going. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, those moments I probably have about ten a week. <laughs> you know, you, you think you've crossed, you think you've crossed the startup <laughs> phase in the UK, and you you're at a certain point, and then. And then I, I speak to our team in Australia and we're like, and they're going through exactly the same thing we were going through four years ago, you know, and you're, you're going through that same yeah. journey again. So, so they're always going to be there, but it always has to come down to, again, your passion and your reason for doing what you're doing. I think that's the part that keeps you, keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. We also have often these moments where I think, shit, <laughs> are we still doing this now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, good. So that was, let's say, the past. I have a final question for you, and then I leave you onto your busy morning, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, basically, what's the sky and what's the limit? How far do you think you can take this? Um, how big can this be? What's your dream? What's the end goal? What's when you're 80 years old and you're on your rocking chair? When will Jamal be smiling? It's just a crazy question because. Like what we've achieved now in six years, I never thought we would have achieved in 2030. And I, I don't want to set limits. Um, what, you know, you always hear people say every idea has been thought of, every app's been built. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, that's true. But like how you haven't built the social or environmental version of that product. Like we're, we're, we're now very close to... Um, a digital advertising equivalent of what we do at Change Please, which is going to disrupt the market. We've even thought of things like airlines. You know, there's been airlines for how many years? And we, we've, we have a, a really phenomenal uh, concept of how to create both a social and environmental impact version of it. And I think it goes back to the underlying ambition to, uh, to be disruptive, to leave a legacy, to show people that you can do things differently and it doesn't have to be in the status quo. We're not trapped by preconceptions and uh, trapped by what we've been told by society is, is the right thing to do. And we can think outside the box. Um, and that for me is incredibly exciting because it started with coffee. It moved to restaurants. It's, it's also gone into places like buses to launching a cruise ship soon. Um, and, and every idea is pos possible. And I think a lot of those come through um, measured, controlled, Um, uh, kind of pressure moments and keeping our team ready and alert for, as I said before, ready and alert for change and being disruptive. And also part of that journey is is the Alberts part, I hope, you know, because I, I really believe so much in what you're doing at Alberts and the, it, the ability to be disruptive and to change a whole category and segment. And, it, you know, it might start with smoothies and, and soups, But the concept and the idea and the, and the execution, most importantly, of, mm. of what you've built is the innovation, not the product, which is, you know, just creating a smoothie. It's the execution for me, which is mm. so good. 
And I think that I want also to be part of our journey at Change Please, you know. So, um, um, you know, it's it's when we're selling our product into an airline that's got 200 lounges, we want Alberts to be part of that journey at the same time and vice versa. So, so for me, it's... Um, oh yeah, and it's, yes. it's, 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 it's for me, like... <laughs> What we want to do, Glenn, as well, is also motivate other people as well. We want other people to, who are social, who are entrepreneurs, um, to become social entrepreneurs or become impact entrepreneurs, or to copy what you've done, and not just create, convert an idea into a product that works, but is executed so well that it just um, inspires other people to go and do something similar. That's that's how we make the world a better place. And going back to what you said earlier, you know. You, you speak about health and, and waste reduction. And for me, again, Albert's is about execution. It's about quality. It's about delivery. It's, and and it's, that's, that's what's exciting about what you do. Um, so I think that the future is about motivating others as well. It's about leaving that legacy where we haven't just had the direct impact on the people we've supported, but we've motivated a whole new category of um, entrepreneur to go and change the world and to make the world a better place. Yeah. That's the part that's exciting for me. Yes. Yes. That is the real mic drop. <laughs> Jamal, we're 40 minutes in. I'm not going to take more of your time. Thank you so much for this. Uh, I literally still have goosebumps from the start. I love this. I cannot wait for us to start launching more uh, locations and inspiring more. Um, so thank you for being here. We are currently in your far slipstream. But I promise you that the team will try to start no, fighting. It's, on the it's very much in the focus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. Thank you, Glenn. I really can't wait to work with you more. And um, I'm so inspired by everything you've done at Alberts. Uh, likewise. Thank you very much. Have a good Saturday. And uh, we see each other soon across the channel in the UK oh, or wherever you. it might be. <laughs> Ciao, man. Thank you.